1: This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a roto podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the
2: FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Jimmy Wagner, a seven-time winner in the FFPC Main Event and Football Guys Players Championship. His total career winnings in the FFPC totaled nearly $50,000. In this episode, we break down how his FFPC pros versus Joe's team turned out, why he's on board with Devontae Parker, who the sleeper wideout on the Texans is, how to attack the value in the Chargers' backfield, and much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotovis content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel.
1: Sundays, Sundays,
2: Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL TV is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code
1: BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever
2: heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and find out, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to dealdash.com and use the offer code ROTOVIZ for dealdash.fm slash ROTOVIZ. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot
1: F-M slash ROTOVIZ.
2: Now without further ado, here is $50,000 high stakes fantasy football winner, Jimmy Wagner. The final ROTOVIZ high stakes lowdown recording going on before the start. Uh, of the NFL season here, and I am pleased to be joined by a veteran, not only of the FFPC, but of the RotoViz High Stakes Lowdown, of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, and now a veteran of the Pros versus Joes as well. It is seven time main event and Football Guys League champ, Jimmy Wagner. Jimmy, what's going on, man? What's up, Eric? What's up? Thanks for having mm-hmm. me, man. Uh, always good to talk to you. I always appreciate um, having a, a, a veteran on, a, a guy who's done a ton of high-stakes drafts and drafted amongst the pros and joes, uh, especially in 2020. Your draft is in the books. After you got done with it and, and sat back and looked at it, what were your impressions? What were your takeaways from how your team ended up looking?
3: I'm gonna of all the pros versus joes draft. I feel I feel like ours. The one I was in was the one where everyone was truly committed to trying to win. Like, my personal draft, and when I say committed to trying to win, I mean, I've seen some drafts where some people are really reaching on players. On my draft, I think it was very tight, very close, and for what I've done, I was, I was pretty happy. I think retrospectively I would have changed a couple of things around, but I was overall I was happy with my draft.
2: Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's it's good to to feel that way. Obviously, you never want to, you know, I've completed so many drafts over the years where I look at it after I'm done. And, and Jimmy, I don't know if this is true with you, but so like, so 2020, I've done much more, many more early drafts than I have in, in previous years. And I actually was, was uh, spent a couple of uh, eh, probably like 30, 40 minutes looking at them the other day. Um, and, and seeing what I ended up with, you know, it's sort of like, oh, you forget who you drafted, you know, when it was like March or April or whatever, and then you look back on it. I was not happy. <laughs> I was not happy with it because I feel like everybody drafting now is like, oh, my gosh, there's so much dialed in. I don't know if you have a feeling on, on your early drafts versus your drafts now, but there were some landmines that I failed to avoid early on. I'm going to, th- you know what?
3: I was checking out some of my earlier drafts. I don't think I go as early as April or May, but I think I definitely started some in June, definitely in July. I didn't realize how many drafts I took Michael Thomas in. I think I got a lot of like 7, 8, 9, 6, 7, 8, 9 picks. And instead of looking at a Miles Sanders or a Kenyon Drake or a Derrick Henry, I was like, you know what? I'm not rolling the dice with any of them. Michael Thomas is as surefire as you get. In fantasy, I was like, I'm just going solid, steady Michael Thomas. And then I'll wait to get my running backs later on.
2: And and, and there's something to be said for that, too. To, you know, everybody wants to be bold, but to, to go with like a quote-unquote safe pick in Michael Thomas, there's certainly some value to doing that in June and July this year, too. And it'll be interesting to see how those picks turn out for sure. We, got, um, we, we talked to you during the – you were in the very first – Pros versus Joe's uh, competition this year held on uh, Sunday night in in late July and I I kind of want to get into this a little bit with you because we talked about this on the high stakes fantasy football hour during the draft Christian McCaffrey to you is the obvious 101 but for you after that it you could go a lot of different ways at the 102 what what's the conundrum what's the what's the what's the problem that's facing everybody drafting at the 102 this year the one oh two has a large selection. Like you'll get the one pick, you're locked in for Christian McCaffrey,
3: unless you're taking Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Most normal people are taking Christian McCaffrey. For the but at the spot number two, I truly believe Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Zeke, and I'm almost almost ready to throw Dalvin Cook into that mix. The all of them are viable options at the number two spot. After that, you just need to dig a little deeper and figure out where you're going with it and what you think is going to happen for that player.
2: Earlier, and and just so everybody's aware, we're recording this here on Monday, but on the Sunday, Pros versus Joes, League Number 4, the Joes, uh, Robbie Russell and uh, Robert Russell ended up taking at the 101. They took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. First time we saw that in in PBJ uh, this season. I'm curious, Jimmy, to your thoughts on where you think, you know, knowing Damian Williams opted out, where you think uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire should go right now, where you would take him? Yeah, Late second round?
3: I, I don't even, honestly, I I don't have him that high on my boards. I think I'd take Patrick Mahomes before I would take him. I'm not, there's no way I'm taking him in the first round.
2: Period. So... So okay, so this is good. Let's let's get into this a little bit with Edward Zelaire because we saw what happened um a couple of years ago with Kareem Hunt when he was drafted at the one oh one after the Thursday night game and I think that's fresh in people's minds knowing that, you know, the guys behind in Kansas City, it's you know, it's it's Daryl Williams, it's Darwin Thompson, it you know, it's it's DeAndre Washington. There's nobody that really stands out there. But Edwards Alaire is a rookie. Is that the reason that that he's pushed down your draft boards where you wouldn't even look at him till the late second round? Absolutely.
3: I don't like rookies in my first three, four rounds. Under normal circumstances, unless they are an exceptional, exceptional talent, I can't. I don't know. I I just feel. Look, you're drafting in July. You're drafting in August. Slow and steady. Get you first place. Slow and steady gets you that championship. Rolling the dice at this time of year, I have not found much luck with it.
2: So knowing what we know now and believing what we believe about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, are you on any of the other Chiefs running backs later on, the Darrell Williams, the Darwin Thompsons, the DeAndre Washingtons of the world, or are you just passing on that uh, on those three guys late? I'm I'm passing on every everyone in the Chiefs background right now, unless the
3: value is just unbelievable. I'm not I'm trying to actually stay away from the Chiefs, period, all including Patty Mahomes. I mean, they just won the Super Bowl. Everyone the next year. It's very difficult for people to replicate those type of magical seasons.
2: So for so for you, it's just it's all about like, well, you know, the Chiefs hit the pinnacle last year. I'm gonna fade Kelsey. I'm gonna fade Hill. I'm gonna fade Mahomes. I'm gonna fade all these guys because they're not—they're being drafted above where they're going to end up as as far as real life fantasy stats go. Right? One hundred percent. Yep. Got it.
3: And okay. Clyde, I just right. have nothing to compare to, and I'm just staying away from him. Look, if I can get him as my third RB, fourth RB in the fifth round, I'll take him. But otherwise, I'm not—I
2: don't need him. He is a bit of an unknown, too, so you are you are flying blind if you take Edwards Hilaire early on. Um, You started off in this draft, Jimmy, in this pros versus joes, three straight running backs, Alvin Kamara, James Conner at the 211, and then Le'Veon Bell at the 302. Is that something you decided to do based on this being a best ball slim format with the FFPC uh, this year, or is it something that, that you probably will do going forward or maybe have done already in football guys drafts this year?
3: I I traditionally like to stock up on three down running backs as much as possible early, early in the draft. I don't think you can get around it. I think it's the most solid platform for a team, whether you're in best ball or you're in season long management. But I'll tell you also, I don't play a lot of best ball. I I really don't play it at all. And I understand it is completely different strategy. I spoke to some of my friends that do play best ball. And if you want, I can go into how those conversations helped shape this team. But the three, starting off with three running backs that are three down backs, I felt very
2: good. So when you talk about, you know, you have these conversations with people that have drafted a lot of best ball teams. What did they kind of tell you? What was their, advi- what was their advice in, in you drafting this best ball slim pros versus Joes format? They definitely said a lot of quarterbacks. Don't They said
3: most other positions, you don't, you know, spread it out, but don't trap yourself with just two quarterbacks. They felt in their experience, the team with the largest selection of viable quarterbacks is the team that has the best chance to succeed. Like he said, I, I'll tell you, the guy I was doing, his name Scott. He plays a lot of best ball. He plays it on your format. He, he plays a lot of best ball. He said, you take a look at team number three. On paper, brilliant. He's like, something happens to Patrick Mahomes, team number three is done. He's like Derek Carr is not even guaranteed the starting job down in uh Vegas. He's like, and that oh. he's like, you have one quarterback, two quarterbacks. He's like, you really need to keep depth at QB. It's the most important position in basketball. And, and that, like I said, I just respect this guy a lot, and that was that was part of what went into my drafting process.
2: So give it. So uh, just kind of curious on this one too, and I don't know how you fall in on this, but. Given that this is an 18-round slim format, where some, you know, some of the teams will draft Kelsey or Kittle or Andrews or Ertz or whatever early, and then they'll sort of ignore the tight end position till late in the draft. Um, Is that a strategy that you would caution against too? Because you're putting so much stock into one player at one position. Same concept.
3: Same concept. Just on a on a side note, we had I I don't I want to say it was maybe last year or the year before whoever. Whoever runs the MyFFPC Facebook page, we were throwing out numbers of how many teams who draft a tight end in the first round actually go on to win. The numbers weren't very impressive. So even though I know at 1.5 it's a premium, I, I wouldn't know if I would throw out everything to be drafting a tight end over there in the first round.
2: Is is that why kind of because you, you the first tight end you drafted was Jonu Smith at the at the back end of the eighth round? Did that factor into your decision of like okay, tight ends kind of get overdrafted in this format? I'm gonna wait and then build up my tight end position uh, after everybody has their elite guys, and then you end up going with Jonu Smith, Jack Doyle, and then in the last round you get Ryan Griffin. Is that what played that? Uh, what did that play into that decision? One
3: hundred percent. Look, you always. At the end of the day, fantasy football is all about value. If you're taking somebody who's in the first round, you, you should be looking for number one pick value. We'll, so if when I'm taking Alvin Kamara at the two spot, I'm thinking that there's a chance, mathematically, and the way the season plays out, there's a chance Alvin Kamara can pass, surpass CMC to be the number one pick. When you're taking Travis Kelsey, George Kittle in the first round, and, I, and I'm not – I'm just using this particular draft as the example because that was Travis Kelsey went in the first round. George Kittle went in the first round, right? That You're overplaying – in my mind, you're overplaying their draft positions. For them to be – give me return first-round value, they need to be putting up CMC and Alvin Kamara type numbers. I, I just don't – I don't see it. Whereas John smith in the eighth round, if he has – and this is with Delaney Walker gone. There's a good chance he can pull. He can pull together 60 to 80 receptions, eight touchdowns in your in this format with 1.5 on tight ends. That that's gold in my mind. And the same with Jack Doyle. And I think you know, I think Jack Doyle and John Smith between the two of them in this format each week in and out, one of them is going to give me real good tight end numbers.
2: Jimmy, did, getting back to the original running back question here that I, I wanted to touch on. You talked about the importance of going with, with heavy three-down backs early in a best ball slim, but this is a strategy that you have taken in managed leagues, 20-round you know, leagues where you, you get the opportunity to place waivers and, and change out players. You've, you've elected to start off strong with three-down running backs just because there's a shortage, just because there's depth at wide receiver or a combination. How, what, what plays into that decision? It's absolutely,
3: it's just basic math. I mean, every team has a minimum of two wide receivers. Every team, how many teams have three down backs? Out of, out of the 30, what, 32 teams, how many of those teams actually have legit three down backs? And I've not looked at the math. I'm going to say 20. Yeah. It's that simple. I mean, it's really, and look, and I, I probably placed Le'Veon Bell a little higher than I should have, but not only because of Adam Gase. But Le'Veon Bell does have talent, and the Jets, you know, they upgraded their offensive line tremendously, tremendously. So if now is going to be the time he's going to get it, it's going to be now.
2: You talk about volume, too. And, and, and volume. And yep. Bell, yeah, Bell is going to get a lot of volume again this year, and I feel like there there's some positive regression coming there, given what he did last year and given what the Jets have on the table this year. Um, let's keep it in that same division and, and talk AFC East wide receivers uh, Preston Williams recently, I think this was a tweet or, or something. I don't know if this came from him or the team, but they said that, that he's got the green light. He is ready to go coming off that November ACL tear. Um, you're Okay, so you look at this uh, selection that you had at 6'11", Devontae Parker, who obviously busted out. Why are you not concerned with, with the return of Preston Williams to this offense in regards to Devontae Parker potentially duplicating what he did in 2019?
3: I'm number one. I'm, Devontae Parker was a first-round draft pick. Pedigree. I mean, the Dolphins haven't been the greatest team over the last couple of years. Last year, Brian Wood, even though would they end up one in fourteen, uh, one in fifteen, two and fourteen, whatever they ended up. If you like, I happen to watch a lot of Dolphins games. Brian Wood had this group of misfits playing at a high level. Like they were playing very well, and I think. I don't think Tua's going to be starting. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to go out there. And I think he's going to be chucking the rock. And I'm not – and can it also include Preston Williams? I'm, I want to. I don't think Preston Williams was a first-round pick. I, I think Devontae Parker, he's probably on – what's his contract? I can look it up real quick. But I know he's in a contract year boy, this he year. Just, No, he, he just – I'm looking at it right now. 2019, 12-13, he's on the four-year, $40 million contract. 21.5 guaranteed. He's getting the rock. Well, you know, and like I said, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they're going to be behind a lot. It's, you know, it's a work in progress. They have a lot, they got a lot, going to have a lot of rookies. There's going to be no preseason games. And if there's one thing Ryan Fitzpatrick has shown the NFL, the guy can throw the ball. <laughs> you know? Yes. And, and you can see, I intentionally took him as a late round QB in this format, because there are going to be some games, he's going to have 15 points. There are going to be some games this year, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to have the equal points of Lamar Jackson and all Patrick Mahomes. And I grabbed them in the
2: 14th round. You Okay. So this is something that uh, uh, David actually got into in pros versus Joe's number four, which we we did on Sunday night this week. Um, Giants wideouts. Which one, as far as draft value goes be, between Golden Tate, between Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton this year, which one do you like best? And I'll, I'll tell you this right now that Slayton and – and you probably already know this, too, from from drafting – but Slayton and um, Shepard are going roughly around the same round, and then you're having Golden Tate going several rounds after that. Where is the draft value with Giants receivers in 2020, Jimmy? You, in all fairness, you can – if you use our draft board, I took Sterling Shepard.
3: Retrospectively, I probably should have went with Darius Slayton in the ninth round. It only – even though not necessarily the wide receivers or people produced their numbers from last year, there was definitely some type of connection between Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton that necessarily didn't exist with Sterling Shepard. But I took Sterling Shepard a little higher than him. I I, th- I think in a best ball format where I don't I can just pl- walk away put one of them there. In the 16 weeks, Sterling Shepard is going to have three or four, you know, wide receiver number wide receiver one numbers three or four weeks, and for the ninth round pick, I'm comfortable with that, I'm not so sure I would really uh, go near Golden Tate too much, I mean, his time, I think his time in the NFL, when, you know, he was putting up 100 plus receptions, back for the Detroit Lions, I think that time's over, you know, you get benefit when you're, he played across, he played across from who, Megatron, right, right, he's been around a long time, Golden Tate, and no disrespect to him, you know, just like uh, Steve Smith, Uh, I love those guys, but I'm not necessarily sure if I'm drafting him in the 12th round. I might grab him in the 14th, 15th round, but not the 12th.
2: Yeah, and you're talking about, again, in this best ball slim format, both Shepard and Slayton go in the ninth round, and this is also an offense that fully expects to support not only Saquon Barkley catching a lot of passes, but Evan Engram as well. So to ask to support three additional wide receivers um, outside of those two players is asking a lot, so I think Golden Tate would be the fade there. Uh, no question. And
0: Evan, you,
3: Evan
2: Ingram, come on, man! He, Last year was supposed to be his breakout year. Now it's
3: this year. <laughs> like, how many, how many times are people going to draft this dude in the fourth round and get twelfth round results out of him?
2: Come on, man. So, you, so okay. So, just talking about the tight ends real quick here uh, on this: Kelsey, Kittle, uh, Andrews, and and uh, Ertz are basically like the big four. You can make a case that Ertz is a tier below uh, based on where these guys are going. Are you staying away from that second tier, Jimmy, the Higbees, the Engrams, Hunter Henry's, Hayden Hurst, Darren Waller's of the world? Not, you know, I like Darren
3: Waller. I like Hayden Hurst. And I'm going to be honest, until Scott Angle took Tyler Higby, I was not looking at him. But Scott Angle, being who Scott Angle is, I've started favoring and looking towards Tyler Higby. I just, you know, it, you just have to. I mean, the guy's
2: legend. Higby it totally is is a is a big time polarizing guy in the FFPC this year, and uh, Scott Engel from Roto Baller, who is drafting right next to you in this, he ends up taking him um, one pick after you take Cooper Cup. Um, but but I I it, and the thing is with Higby, man, just it's hard to ignore what he did down the stretch last season. Gerald Everett hurt or not, Higby was the guy that that Jared Goff was throwing the rock to a lot, and that could continue into this year. Uh, no question. I want to talk, uh, uh, shift it from tight ends and, and talk wide receivers here. Uh, Houston, they lose DeAndre Hopkins as he is now an Arizona Cardinal, and there's obviously a lot of targets to go around with Hopkins. You look at the, the late-round picks that the Texans have this year. Jimmy, who's the better late-round sleeper between Randall Cobb and Kenny Stills for FFPC drafts in 2020? And No disrespect to Randall Cobb. He's someone along the lines of, like, the golden tape.
3: I, even though he, I think I think Cobb and Kenny Stills are pretty close in age. I just like Kenny Still a little better, and that was that was why I drafted him i if I'm picking somebody out of uh Houston it, there's gonna be so many passes to go around and Kenny, Kenny Stills is pretty productive he's pretty stays pretty healthy unlike the rest of um the Houston wide receiver core, you have Kiki gets injured fuller gets injured. So in very well, I, I'd be okay with Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb splitting up all those receptions that DeAndre Hopkins used to have. But I do like I, Kenny Stills better.
2: I will tell you that Kenny Stills turned 28 in April. Randall Cobb actually turns 30 in August. You're looking at about a year and a half. So they are roughly the same age uh, between those two guys. But yeah, I mean, I I think at, you, know, you look at what Houston's going to try to do this year and And uh, you look at the format you're drafting, and to take Kenny Stills, the upside of those spike weeks in the 16th round, certainly would make some sense uh, over Mr. Steady Eddie in in Randall Cobb. So I like that pick there for you for sure. Um, John O. Smith was the first tight end that you drafted. Uh, He ends up going at the 8-11 pick, basically, after a lot of the elite tight ends are, are off the board. Jimmy, I don't know how much of this pick was, I need a tight end, and I don't know how much of this pick was, I like Jonu Smith. But state your case of of why you really like Jonu Smith this year, why he could be a top 15, maybe even a top 10 tight end in the FFPC scoring. At the end of the day, Delaney Walker, for the last five years,
3: has been a top-tier tight end. Tennessee offense likes their tight ends. Jonu Smith is a younger Younger version of Delaney Walker. After Delaney Walker was injured last year, Jonathan Smith came in and did a very good, did an excellent job. He, he's going to be a part of that offense. And for the eighth round, you win, you win these type of leagues, you win season-long leagues by finding value. Not by drafting you know Mike Gusecki in the seventh round, but by drafting Mike Gusecki in the eighth round, ninth round. Drafting Jonu Smith in the eighth round, like these are guys that I think have the potential to put up real big numbers. But if we're gonna take them in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round, it, we're losing the value there. I think Jonu Smith has, I think he might be the only tight end on the, you know, really considered. Who else do they have? Friska, Anthony Friska. Hey right, uh, yeah i don't even I'm not even sure if that guy how many catches he's caught. John Smith is real Dale. he's going to do have a good season, and I backed it up with Jack Doyle, who I think is uh is going to have a monster year.
2: Yeah, let's get into Doyle too and 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 tell the listeners why you think that people should not sleep on him as a tight end after you know the top twelve top 15 tight ends are off the board. Why is Jack Doyle a smart choice for FFPC drafters there?
3: It, the value of being able to get Jack Doyle in 10th round, I would take Jack Doyle before I would take Hunter Henry, if, if all things being equal. Phillip Rivers loves his tight ends. He, he's the new quarterback down in Indiana, Indianapolis. I'm telling you, it's going to work out. And especially in a best ball format, I, I, the one difficult thing that we have going on this year is we don't get to watch preseason games, right? So we don't get to see that chemistry. I'm just going by my gut instinct that I think Phillip Rivers is going to love T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle, and both of them are going to put up tremendous numbers. It's that simple.
2: Yeah, I know. I like Doyle this year, too. I I feel like he's being criminally underdrafted. He's going to be on a lot of my teams this year as my backup tight end for sure. Um, Let's uh, let's shift the focus here to uh, running backs, specifically Chargers running backs. And, Jimmy, where's the value here? I mean, is it, is it investing a second-round pick in Austin Eckler? Is it trying to get one of the, the backup running backs, either Justin Jackson or, or Joshua Kelly, the rookie out of UCLA, later in the draft? Where do you feel that the Chargers' value lies in their backfield? So
3: I 100% I'm perfectly fine with Austin Eckler in the second round. I actually I have a lot of Austin Eckler this year, 100%. Justin Jackson in 12th round, I am very happy with that value because I think Austin Eckler is going to be running, you know, he's a 60 to 70% on the field type running back. He doesn't give me the same build as I. When I look at him, I feel like he's a smaller version of Melvin Gordon. So I think they're going to be rotating him in and out with Justin Jackson a lot. And I think Justin Jackson's hands are just as good as Austin Eckler's. Yeah, Austin Eckler is the better running back, no doubt about it. Justin Jackson's going to get his chances, and there's going to be games, again, in this best ball format where Justin Jackson's going to come up with, you know, 20, 25 points. Easy.
2: Just as an addendum to that, I'm I'm just kind of curious in, in your philosophy about the, the Chargers' offense in general. They're shifting from Phillip Rivers to Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor put up pretty good rushing stats, and in, in the rushing game in general for the team was pretty high when Anthony Lynn was uh, uh, coordinating in, in Buffalo with, with Taylor. They invest the fourth round pick into Joshua Kelly. How does this affect the way you look at Hunter Henry? How does this affect the way you looked at Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen? Are you are you fading those pass catchers in the Chargers' offense this year because of the Tyrod Taylor Anthony Lynn aspect? I I am I'm not. I'm not
3: as high in Keenan Allen as I traditionally am. I was never a big fan of Hunter Henry's, period. I, I don't think for where we draft him, he's ever produced those the numbers we need him to be put out. Keenan Allen has always been stupendous. He Early in his career, they used to say he had the injury bug. I don't think he's been injured in like the last two or three years, and he's put out great numbers. Um, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with – after watching – Tyrod Taylor had such a terrible, and I don't know if it was just the Bills' offense because he started last year with the Bills, right? And then, what? I'm am sorry, Eric. I'm trying to think. He did start last year with
2: the Bills, and then they switched to Josh Allen. Let me pull
3: uh, that up real that, quick.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I I am too. I I think I think you're correct in that. I, I'm you know I almost want to say that Josh Allen was was the starter from the get-go, uh, week one of, of 2019. I'm I'm with you right now. I'm looking. I'm yeah, at I'm it just, up right I, now. he was I, actually with the he was with the he was with the Bills from 2015 to 2017. Then he was with the Browns in 18, and then he was with the Chargers starting last year. So he has not been on the Bills until 2017. So basically, Josh Allen, it, it was a hard takeover there uh, for Allen over Taylor uh, because he was gone. I right,
3: and I remember. And I just remember watching Tyrod Taylor play against the Jets one game, and his arm just didn't look anything like Philip Rivers' arm. I'm just, I'm not sold that he's going to be able to get the ball down the field to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Potentially, maybe I should be looking a little stronger at Hunter Henry then for the dump-offs, but I think that's where we're going to end up with Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson making nice PPP, uh, you know,
2: there, I, I, there's nothing wrong, obviously, in 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 um investing in the Chargers running backs as far as the only skill position players go. You know, I've always been high on Keenan Allen, but I I think this year, unless he falls to me uh late, I'm I'm probably looking away. I've never been a Mike Williams guy, quite frankly. I've never owned Hunter. You know, it's not like I've ever necessarily disliked Hunter Henry, but I haven't owned him a lot. And I think that's just because I I always seem to run into drafts where people like him more than me, and I'm fine with that. And I think that's going to continue into 2020 as well. Jimmy, uh, you have done a lot of drafts this year. A guy, uh, if you can give us a guy that you've been avoiding early uh, in FFPC, Football Guys drafts, and then as well as a, conversely, on the other side of things, uh, a sleeper that you've been trying to target in the mid to late rounds.
3: Uh, I've been staying away from Miles Sanders a hundred percent. I think people drafting Miles Sanders in the first round are uh, absolutely crazy. That's just my <laughs> my uh, gut instinct there. I can't I can't go near that dude. He's just not first round value. He'll he'll never put. I, I don't think he will ever put out value anywhere near
2: McCaffrey, Kamara, Barkley, Elliott. I, he's just not there. So you just just real quick on this with Miles Sanders. Typically, Philadelphia has had a backfield by committee approach, and and they haven't had that dominant running back. You think that continues into 2020 as well, and, and maybe Boston Scott has worked in there more than a lot of fantasy owners think. Absolutely, I, I am, I'm just not comfortable
3: with the the entire Philadelphia Eagle offense. I, I'm, I'm I'm fading that whole team. I'm staying away from them. And there's no way yeah, I mean, there's no way I'm taking Miles Sanders in the first round of any draft unless CMC, Alvin Kamara, Barkley, unless 15 other running backs all opt out with COVID-19. That's the only <laughs> way.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, the thing is, too, like, you, you know, you talk about the Philadelphia offense. Who, who's the certain uh, component there? There is none. Carson Wentz Zach Ertz. has been hurt a lot. I guess Zach Ertz, you could make the case for that, although I've been waiting you know the way that people have been drafting those Eagles tight ends, it seems like Ertz gets pushed down every single year because everybody's just expecting the rise of God yeah. to happen, <laughs> and, and it just it never has happened yet. And I, maybe that happens this year, maybe it's not. But you look at the receivers; you got a rookie and Jalen Rager being the most attractive asset. I know Deshaun Jackson's going very late, uh, and, and there's certain uh, you know aspects of his game to still like when you're talking about paying that low of a price. Alshon Jeffrey's on pop. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of wide receiver depth there. So I get it, man. It it makes sense to to fade the Eagles offense in general. Maybe outside of Zach Ertz and, and maybe that's it. Yep. That's one of like I would draft Zach Ertz in the first round before I would take Miles Sanders. What about a, a player that uh, a sleeper that that? And I know sleepers are few and far between now in the Football Guys Players Championship, the FFPC main event, so on and so forth. But a, a guy that has been going in the mid to late rounds, Jimmy, that, that you've been trying to get. I, I'll
3: tell you, I was trying to get him. Uh, I like Blake Johnwin. I think of all the all the tight ends that you could potentially you could grab after the eighth round that can make a difference. I think he's one of them.
2: He's interesting, I, and 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 I think that Cowboys offense should be pretty high powered up this year with with all those pass catchers. It's they're going to be tough to cover, Jimmy. I one hundred percent. I just think you know with Jason
3: Witten gone, you know Dak Dak Prescott's a year a year smarter. You know he's not going to take those risky throws. I'm not sold. I'm still not sold. Four years later on Amari Cooper, and uh, who, who who's that rookie they? Cowboys drafted, was it C.D. D. C. Lamb, right? Yeah, I, I, someone's got to catch passes, and I, I just don't think it's going to be Amari Cooper. So is it's either going to be Blake Johnwin or C.D. C. Lamb. Yeah, and well, Jarwin And they got Gallup, it. too. Gallup's not, Gallup would be – so I would put Johnwin and Gallup both as, you know, potential people you can get after the eighth round that will give you fourth-round numbers.
2: Gallup's sort of the forgotten man because everybody talks about Cooper being the number one there. I mean, they paid him. They love him. And then they drafted C.D. Lamb with the 17th overall pick in the draft this year. So you know Dallas loves him there. Gallup's sort of like caught in the middle, and and maybe being caught in the middle isn't such a bad bad thing for his fantasy value, given how late he goes. And and you can get you can really cash in on on uh, some good Gallup value. I'm just looking at your pros versus Joe's draft, and he actually went at the 705 to Pat Thorman from establish the run there, uh, taking Gallup. I, I I think there's some there's some yeah, sneaky sleeper value in Gallup and as well as Jarwin this And that's,
3: a, and that's an early Michael Gallup
2: draft. Um, you know, they picked him up right. early.
3: I've seen, do you have in front of you, what his ADP is? Because I feel like you normally can grab him in, like, the 10th, 11th round.
2: Well, I can tell you that over um, over the last uh, four days in, in football guys drafts right now, and by the way, I thank you to uh, – shout out to Darren Armani from Fantasy Mojo – for providing this uh, ADP, uh, which is what I always reference to in these high stakes podcasts. Michael Gallup, over the last four days in the Football Guys Players Championship, still a seventh round pick, 701 is where he has been going. So it has been climbing a little bit, Jeremy, but still wide receiver 32. I think you could do a lot worse at wide receiver 32 than Michael Gallup. Absolutely. I- Absolutely, and I, I, I don't know how people keep drafting Amari Cooper as a wide receiver one. I don't maybe I'm missing something. Well, and and the thing is, it's like you know Cooper is talented and he has put up wide receiver one numbers before. But when you consider the you know the talented guys around him and Gallup and Lamb and Jarwin, not to mention Ezekiel Elliott, yep. who's caught a lot of passes over the years too. I mean, there is the whole. Argument of there's only so many balls to go around in, in Dallas, and and to to pencil Amari Cooper in as as wide receiver one. Maybe maybe that's what you should be doing, penciling him in as wide receiver one, but understanding that he could be a wide receiver too if Gallup and Lamb and right. Jarwin have big years this year. Just lost you. I got gotcha. you. You're still here. Okay. All right, Jimmy. This has been tremendous. This has been fun. Um, I I always appreciate the pros versus Joes recaps from the Joes because I always think they have an advantage over the pros in this format for sure. I think you had a hell of a draft. uh, Night one of pros versus Joes. Good luck, not only in that format. Good luck in the main event. Good luck in all your football guys drafts and all your leagues this summer. It was a pleasure talking to you, and we'll talk again real soon, man. Thank you, Eric. Good talking to you, bro. Talk to you later, man. sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events major league baseball back in action and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners bet online check out all the odds futures and props to bet on all available 24 7 and with the return of sports bet online sat down with former pro players eddie george Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling "Pandemic." Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.